good evening. Excited to be with you. Whoa, that's an encouraging uh, welcome. Man, so yeah, I go way back with the Sweeney's. And uh, honestly, as I was sitting there singing songs, you know, for me, this is really a, a dream come true. I mean, to think that we can visit one another and preach, you know, that we are both serving side by side, building up God's kingdom, you know, to think all the way back all these years, this is really a special Christmas to be here and to be here with you. Many of, uh, many of you we already know, and we've had the pleasure to be able to meet and it's been exciting to come here and, and see smiling faces and to be able to connect with you. Uh, thank you very much for having us. But before I start, I heard some encouraging news about today. So now, there's a celebration in the house. Roy and Alicia's anniversary for one year is today. Man. Whoa. Congratulations, guys. Super excited for you. Roy, you better be hooking your girl up. <laughs> for those of you, uh, well, you've said it all. My name is Stephen Morales. We uh, serve here in the IE region. And uh, I got to show you a... Uh, a little clip of uh, my family here. I don't know if it looks like it might not be in there. Oh, man, that's like my favorite part. I love showing off my family. So we have a daughter. Uh, she's just about to be two years old. And uh, we're a little nervous because we left her at home sleeping. And it's a new babysitter. So she's going to wake up and be like, who are you? But I'm going to do my best not to run out of here if my phone goes off, okay? <laughs> but yeah, we're really excited. I have two other boys, Aiden and Matthew, 17 and 12. Uh, honestly, they're, they're a blast. And, I, and my beautiful wife, we actually uh, just celebrated our three-year, November 17th. Scott was actually in my wedding. Amen. Come on. Extremely good day. And so before we get into all this, you know, I, I just kind of want to give you a little bit of context of what we've been doing in Rancho. Um, in Rancho, we've actually been studying out God's love. And that's it. Nothing else but how God loves you and I. And it's been really refreshing it's been really re encouraging. Nelson Barreto, which I believe he came out here a few weeks back or maybe a month or so. You know, he's done an incredible job in covering the creation story in Genesis, the proof of his love. And so I'm going to do my best today to present to you a sermon titled Godspeed. Or in other words, the speed of his love. Let us pray before we jump on in. 
Father God, thank you so much for this family, God, to be able to, to travel down the freeway and be here to worship you again. Father, we had an incredible service this morning at 10 a.m. there in Rancho. And I just love, Father, how you've placed us in family, God. I just love how, how you can come from city to city, Father, and find disciples of yours willing to take you in, to have lunch or dinner with you, to love you, to accept you, God. And I just know that all that is because of you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you put me aside, God, that your word really, really jumps out of the screen, God, or, or from the pages of our Bible today, God. Please, Father, I pray that we can fill your Holy Spirit with us this evening. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Godspeed. Has anyone here heard that expression before? A few of you have. So it's believed to have come around 14th or 15th century. Basically, the essence of this is an expression of good wishes to a person starting a journey. Godspeed. You know, I, I love this term because... Is this just me or, or is this just me? <laughs> well, I'm here and I'm pushing. Maybe we could go to the next slide here. I might have to have you guys help me back there. Not there. Yeah, that's a... That, it's, it's giving away all my good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing back now. I'm going back because I don't want to play this yet. I just kind of want to introduce it first. There you go. There we are. So I love this expression because in many ways I feel like our journey with God is exactly that. It's a journey of a bunch of highs and lows and you know what? Sometimes we have mountaintops, and sometimes we hit valleys. And during those times, I believe that God intersects in our paths. Even though we go through things that are really unknown, God intersects us, and then we get to have this awe moment. And we see... Wow, God, this is what you've been doing all along. But while we're going through that journey, we don't always feel like we know what's going on. Right? When we're in the valleys, a lot of times we can question, God, where are you? I'm praying to you and I don't feel anything. Our relationship with God sometimes can feel elusive in that way especially when we're going through really hard challenges, when we really need to hear God, when we need to really feel him somehow, some way, give me something. You know, when we're up here, sometimes it's, ah, it's okay. We're up here. <laughs> Things are awesome. We love it. We're excited. And this is all part of the journey. As Christians, as disciples, 
And so I came across this awesome video clip on YouTube that really talks about this idea of kairos. God's appointed time. See, in the word, in the Greek, this word exactly, exactly captures this idea. This notion when God intersects in our lives. You know, God's kairos appointed time. See, understanding this can also help us with understanding, or better yet, withstanding difficult times. Now, we don't really use this word these days, but we're going to jump into a Bible study this evening to really help encourage us through those valleys, through those times, especially as we're entering the holidays. Maybe some of you don't have a family to be able to celebrate the holidays. Actually, the babysitter that I was speaking about, uh, this is her first Christmas on her own. Her husband passed away last year. And she was expressing to me how she's just trying to find something to do. She didn't even know, like, maybe I should volunteer at a shelter or something. I just find myself with a lot of time. And it was amazing to see her heart encouraged to just want to watch our daughter. And so during those times, is how I want to be able to encourage your faith that God will intersect your path and come into your life. So let us, now let us go ahead and play this video. One of the great principles in the book of Esther is God's timing. It's called in the New Testament, Kairos. It's the opportune time. It's the time when God creates intersections and suddenly breaks through with his divine presence, his divine provision, and his awesome divine power. Many times between Kairos, <laughs> that sudden breakthrough of God are gaps where nothing seems to be happening, where the ordinary is taking place until the extraordinary comes to pass. In the book of Esther, that's what happened. It was a period of time before her beauty was recognized under a certain set of circumstances that brought her into the king's palace and turned her into being the king's wife for such a time as this. When God's people were under attack, God had his lady in the right place at the right time for the right kingdom purpose. And when it had to be revealed, timing mattered. It was the timing between two banquets that would create the scenarios that God would use to expose Haman and to bring about the deliverance of God's people. You see, God is always doing something bigger than you can see at any given moment. And that's why when nothing is happening, you have to understand something is happening. It just hasn't hit that Kairos intersection yet. And that's what Kairos is all about. It's about intersections. When Saul became king, that was another Kairos moment. You see, Saul was chasing donkeys. All he knew was that his father's donkeys had gotten away and he was supposed to go after them. 
Little did he know he was going to run into a Kairos moment and his life would forever change. Because once his servant told him, don't quit, but keep going, he intersected with the prophet Samuel, who had already been notified by God that there's going to be a young man coming your way. And when you cross sections with him, that is the man who I want to make king of my people. So you never know what God has in mind. You keep chasing those donkeys. In other words, you keep doing what you're supposed to do and you leave the moments to God because he knows when he needs to make those intersections happen in your life and create for you a Kairos moment. There we go. Kairos, God's appointed time. So we see that God works through those intersections. But there's also another time that I would like to present to you this evening. Chronos time. Many of you probably have been aware or have heard of this, right? For those of you that might like watches. That's where we have this word chronos, which is a way that we can measure time. Calendars, things of that sort, is where we get chronos times. And then we have kairos the Lord's time. You know, let us read a scripture this evening about what it means in the Bible, Kairos time. In Acts chapter 17, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. See, God is all-powerful. That's what we're reading in this verse. That he marked out the appointed times in history. God's desire is that you would seek him. It's no coincidence that you're here in this room today. Somewhere along the life, along the path of your life, God intersected. And he intersected because he desires. To have a relationship with you. The, the idea of God intersecting our lives is so powerful in understanding his love. But again, why does he take so long? Why does he take so long? Why is it that at moments we can get frustrated to say, hey... What's happening? You know, we can also feel like this. Right? Especially when we're, in, when we're in dire situations. We can feel like, man, God, why are you taking so long? Oh my goodness. I'm frustrated. I'm scared. All these feelings can come to play, right? We even 
We read it in the Bible as well. Israel in slavery for 400 years. Israel in the desert for 40 years. Right? Wouldn't you think that they might have felt like that guy in the picture? Like, man, why are you taking so long, God? Not to mention uh, from Genesis to Matthew, when Jesus comes on to stage, how many years was that? Oh, thank you. I always lose my voice. So it's encouraging to get water. (laughs) You said I was fired up. I'm still fired up. Yeah, exactly. In Second Peter chapter 3, you know, we read, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We're seeing a little bit of that Kairos moment happening. In these situations, guys, that we can feel so much, he's doing something. We've seen it time and time again. But not only in the Bible, but how about today? You know, we just came out of this crazy year in a pandemic where not just, you know, the state stopped, but the whole world stopped. I don't know about you, but man, come March, we just, you know, we're locking everything down. We were like, what in the world is this? I remember looking on the news and people were making like these like bubbles to go into Walmart. Do you guys remember that? Do you remember these like makeshift masks before we had like, like everybody was using masks? People were scared. And as we go through all, as we've gone through all that, I think looking back, it's easier for me to say, hey, What was God doing during that time? You know, as a church, guys, what was he doing during that time for us as a fellowship? Never before have we been not able to meet as a whole. I mean, I really felt that. You know, and I really felt like, whoa, like, what is discipleship really to me? And it was challenging. But what is God teaching us? What is God teaching us? You know, I want to share a little bit about myself. As, as I mentioned, I have two boys. I was previously married. And... I went through a horrible divorce. Honestly, it was the toughest thing that I've ever gone through. You know, it it really does feel like 
somebody's cutting a piece of your body off. You know, when the Bible says you become one, <laughs> you really do. And so when I went through that divorce, it was so difficult to even think about what God was doing during that time. And, you know, Scott was there with me. You know, I think there was a time I can remember that I had actually just gone in this pretty bad fight. And I was walking down the street, praying. And Scott came up on my phone and we started talking. And I was at a park. You know, trying to process all of this. And this is as a disciple. I met the children's mom 12 years, well, I was married for 12 years, but I met her in the singles ministry. Never would I have thought that would have happened to me. And, you know, time flew, flew by. Years passed by, and I had to spend Christmases with my boys by ourselves. You know, and we didn't know, I, I'm not the greatest cook, you know, I, and it was like, man, you know, we're ordering pizza, <laughs> you know, I mean, for Christmas. And I'm like, man, we're trying to make it special, you know, and I'm just kind of dreading like, man, how am I going to be a dad? How am I going to raise my boys through all this? How am I going to show them about what a family really is, a healthy family? We're a disaster. You know, and I was really thankful that during the holidays, I had a lot of brothers and sisters that welcomed me into their home. And they made those Christmases special. Special for my boys. Special for me. And I still have those pictures on the wall. And we could see the years when I was just single of the Christmases we spent. But God was doing something. Even though it took so long... I ended up marrying Shannon. You know, Scott mentioned a little bit how we met in the singles ministry. I didn't even know her. We actually, they put us together to lead a Bible discussion. And so there was about like 12, you know, guys and girls. And we meet together once a week at a house or at a restaurant or whatnot. And that's when I met her. And we were leading this group. You know, and I was barely getting on my, on my feet. But God was intersecting my life. We fell in love. We got married. You know, and, and God just did amazing things in our life. We led the singles ministry together. We interned. <laughs> we led the Spanish ministry together in Orange County. And now we're here in the IE. And we're excited. We're excited that God has been working all along. You know, like, like the Sweeney's were talking about. Like, you know, we were thinking about coming out to the desert. We weren't sure where God was calling us. We were asking God, you know, make it clear, you know, where do you want us? And it's just incredibly encouraging that he placed everyone where they needed to be. No, the Gonzaleses have been doing an amazing job. At least that's what I hear. Is that true? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You know, and we've gotten to know them. 
And they're awesome. I love them. You know, and then we are just down the freeway. <clears throat> and what's amazing about how God situated us there is that Shannon has, I believe, 56 family members in the city of where we live at right now. And both of her cousins that are in college are studying the Bible. Isn't that good? You know, God's appointed time. That's a Kairos moment. He knows exactly what he's doing. Let me go ahead and jump here. It's a little cut off. I'm going to read in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. This is cut off, so I'll just go ahead and go back so it doesn't distract you. If you have your Bibles, time to flip it. If you have your phones, get in there. This is a little old school. I know maybe some of us are not used to this, but we're going to have to read our Bibles today. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. Woo! And we, you know, Scott shared a little bit about that, and we didn't have that planned. <laughs> you know, God works those, in those ways. And I will tell you, when the pandemic hit, I felt this small and so out of control. Never, never as a disciple, and I've been a disciple for 20 years, did this scripture come to life. If the world could stop like that, how much more can God come today? Everything we know, everything we see, could be gone like that. For some of us, it'll be, like Scott said, a joyous occasion. Like, man, I've been waiting. (laughs) Wow. For others, not so. And so if you're visiting today, I want to encourage you. You know, you're in the right place. The holiday seasons are here. You know, it's that time of season. Study the Bible. Talk to the person that invited you. Get to know who God really is really, truly is. Because we're always going to be fighting something that, a word that I've made up, chronos comfort. Right? They should put that into the dictionary. Chronos comfort. What I mean by that is, we get so much security in our plans. You know, we, 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 we love our plans, don't we? We love our calendars. We love the security that that provides us. 
And sometimes we think we have forever. You know, us, that might be a little bit younger, feel like we're superheroes. Now, I'm starting to kind of tip a little bit on the older side. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) That or I'm out of shape. (laughs) That too. But these chrono comforts is a distraction. You know, these are the things that make us feel like everything is okay or it doesn't really make us think about the day of the Lord. You know, the world population right now is over 7.9 billion people. And people who are facing all kinds of different situations. Some are dying. Some are just barely holding on. You know, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, drought, hunger, pandemic, you name it. This is a monumental task for God. But he still desires that every person be saved. Are you with me? Psalms 20, verse 7 through 8. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall but we rise up and stand firm. That's a scripture that really goes against that chronos comfort. See, back in the day, kings valued their chariots and their horses. That was how they flexed their army strength. You know, you want to come against me and my kingdom and my empire? Bring it! I have all my chariots and horses waiting. That was... <coughs> that was <laughs> this is my second service today, so... Scott, this is what you get. You get a voice that sounds like a, a teen. <laughs> but this is where they got all their strength, their confidence. But no... They will be brought to their knees, the Bible says. But those that trust in God will rise up and stand firm. Yes, even in those valleys. Yes, even through the pandemic. Trust in God and you can stand firm, brothers. I have a picture of the staff. This was an incredible time. Andrew and Abigail. I'm sure that Scott probably shared about them when they were here. I'm not sure, maybe. So, these two teens in the middle are from the Middle East. So, we're pretty new here. I know that the church here has really given to the Middle East in the efforts to help the church there. That's a really, really awesome thing that you guys are doing. But these two teens are the son and daughter of Mofid, right? And they came for the first time to the States a few months ago. And they were sharing about everything that's been going on in the Middle East. They were talking about how it wasn't really even the pandemic that really affected them. It was everything leading up to that that really got them in a bad situation. 
the government is like corrupt. You're talking about the dollar prices are outrageous. Something about like one cup of coffee was like $20 equivalent to U.S. dollars. One cup of coffee, $20. And the jobs are not paying their employees more. So they're paying the same. Prices are going up. People are fighting just to get gas. There's lines and a long line for people to get gas. And that young man right there is going to school. And they get electricity for four hours a day only. I mean, I think you guys could probably, uh, what's it called, appreciate air conditioning out here, right? You know, imagine to get air conditioning for four hours a day only out here in the desert. So brothers and sisters of ours are sleeping outside on mattresses because it's just so hot in the houses. Your brothers, your sisters. And so they were thinking, wow, they were excited to come to the States and come to L.A. And they were just like, this is the first time we're going to go to Hollywood. Woo, they're excited. Like, man, I want to get out of that uh, back home and get some time here. And it was interesting enough that Abigail was sharing that being here, she started to really miss home. She thought that, you know, all these comforts that we have, all these things, restaurants, all these things, was something that she really wanted. But she shared vulnerably how, you know what, I feel like they're distractions. I feel like the, these, these things, when she was here visiting us, were pulling her away from God. She's a teenager. And she shared with this in front of our whole entire rancho ministry. And I'll tell you guys, brothers and sisters were crying. And afterwards, there was a long line of, of men and women saying, hey, you are heroes, guys. You are heroes, and they're having an explosion of miracles happening in their church. I hope you've heard, but they're like studying, like they have so many people that they're studying the Bible with, like they don't, they're overwhelmed. They're grouping them up together right now. You know, God working in such a crisis, but why? Well, like we read. These brothers and sisters are trusting in him. Not on the chronos comforts. As you can tell, I'm pretty fired up by that word. So I'm going to be coming here to a landing. Um, But since the beginning of time, God has displayed how much he loves us. God even went as far as to say we were made in his image in Genesis. But we have turned this around. We have made God into something that is more like our image. God has to fit into our plans. God needs to do things at our pace. God has... Become for many of us nothing more than an image of us. Because it's on our time. 
right? I need you to do this now. You need to help, help me now. You need to come through now. But I don't read that in scriptures. And so we're going to jump into Malachi. Again, it's cut off, so I'll go back here. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. This is where we're exercising our Bible readings and phones today. We're going to read verse 1, 2, and 4. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, 2, and 4. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. In the book of Malachi. And you know what happens after that? Silence. Silence. In the book of Malachi... It goes silent between Malachi and Matthew. 400 years pass for which we have no prophetic record. 400 years and complete silence. Much happened during this period that affects our understanding of the New Testament. So it's important to be familiar with at least two major events that occurred in the intertestamental period. Let me pull up my notes here. One, although many still yearn for the coming of the Messiah during this period, apostasy and misunderstanding caused many Jews to look beyond the mark and reject Jesus Christ. As the Messiah, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. Two, although many Jews greatly disliked Samaritans and Gentiles, the gospel of Jesus Christ brings all people together as children of God. See Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 35. They were missing the mark. But you know what? Something incredible happened. During the 400 years of silence, God was planning to reconcile the whole world to himself. God was planning to reconcile the whole world to himself. Why isn't that what we've seen in the scriptures. Isn't that what we read? And how does he do this? Through God's compassion for all his children. It's revealed in the human touch of Jesus. It was after this silence 
that Jesus came to life in a human form. Kairos, God's appointed time. Amen? You know, as we study the Gospels, you know, we find a record of the healing miracle of Jesus. Over 70% of his life and ministry were healing the sick. Jesus did many other things, the Bible says. If every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That's why the last words in Malachi chapter 4 says, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. <laughs> we also see Son of righteousness can also be translated son of vindication. The contents concerns the day of the Lord. The time when God will vindicate his people. This vindication will be clear to all like what? Like bright lights of sunrise. The one described as the son of righteousness can be no other than Jesus Christ himself. The Lord is called the Lord our righteousness in Jeremiah 23, 6. And the coming of the Messiah is pictured as a sunrise in several passages. In one particular it says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Isaiah 61. And there's so many other verses that we read as well. And this, my friends, is God's speed. A journey. And a good one at that. <laughs>